Scripture reading for today is the Magnificat. This is Mary's response to Elizabeth's blessing of the child she carried in her womb. It is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, which are on page 832, or you may read along on the screen. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. As we're building up to the Christmas day, the Christmas feast, the Christmas celebration, we have been spending this Advent series looking at the story of Mary. Of course, she is known as Jesus' mother. And I have to tell you, this is a, a, a bit of a mix for me because I grew up uh, with the Mary candles burning bright, uh, especially in my grandma's home, uh, and the icons, uh, you know, pasted up on the, on the walls in different places uh, and, and in other places. I, uh, the prayers, I remember the, the prayers always, you know. Um, and then as I, I grew up and then I became uh, kind of not religious, uh, and then ultimately finding Christ in a, in a Christian place, it's been a return to Mary for me to reconsider who she is uh, by looking at it through the lens of Scripture. Um, and today, I really tell you, I have to celebrate Mary. I really do. I celebrate Mary. Uh, when you think about it, she is, of all things, the first to receive Christ. But think about it. She's the first one in all of creation to receive Christ. She received him into her womb, but she also received him into her heart. She loved her baby, and she nurtured him, watched him grow, and eventually even became one of his most passionate and devoted followers. So there really is a lot we can learn from looking at Mary and her life as we consider who she is and what she's done and even how she responded to the call to be blessed with the Christ child. So today, I just want to celebrate with you the gift of Mary and her story and again, maybe that candle for you looks a little bit different than it did in my grandma's house. But perhaps the one that we can keep burning bright as we consider Mary is that, first of all, that call to receive Christ into our hearts by faith. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for your presence here with us, made known through the worship, through the prayers. Father, through the fellowship, even the lighting of the candle today. As we consider these things, Lord, help us rescue us from doing these things out of, out of tradition alone. But instead, Lord, as the candle was lit fresh this morning, would you ignite something fresh in our hearts today? A desire to know you, to receive you, Jesus, to walk in your grace, to magnify you in our souls, to leave here, Lord, knowing that all the blessings you've extended to us, God, just as they were to 
to Mary are to lead us into be part of your bigger story, the story of redemption, the story of justice, the story of kingdom that will never end. Grow our expectations today, Father, for who you are and for the gift of the Christ child. We celebrate in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this morning, we are, again, looking at her response in prayer, and we'll get back to that in a minute. But as we listen to the Magnificat, what we heard is Mary's song of praise as she declared the blessing of the child that was given to her through Elizabeth, her cousin, who was also expecting with the child who we would come to know later as John the Baptist. And it was told that John the Baptist, even in the womb, was already filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a really amazing moment that these two moms-to-be come together, and Elizabeth feels the child leaping in her womb out of such joy and excitement. What an amazing gift that an unborn child could experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, knowing that the child in the womb next door was so special that he leapt and kicked for joy. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gift of life. And so the Magnificat, what we know as the Magnificat, is Mary's response to that blessing that Elizabeth said, oh, my, my baby is so excited to see you, and the baby that you carry is so special. And so Mary broke out into this prayer, which has been recorded for us in Scripture, and perhaps became a hymn in the early church, which is why it's preserved so fully. Her soul then magnifies the Magnificat. Her soul magnifies the Lord. She begins this song of praise as she receives this blessing that her child is anointed. Now, if you look at the structure of uh, this prayer, you'll see that there are some similarities to other parts of Scripture. It's been noted many times, if you look at it, kind of cross-reference it, that there is similarities to Mary's Magnificat and Hannah's song as sung out in 1 Samuel chapter 2. I put some of the parallels there as Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, and my strength is exalted, expanded in my God. Mary, similarly, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Both extend blessing unto the name of the Lord. Both declare, having received this extraordinary blessing of an unexpected child, that God is going to do something special here. The Lord is using this as a sign to declare justice over all of creation. And one day it says the Lord will make poor those he makes rich. He'll bring low those he exalts. This is Hannah, Mary similarly. He has brought then down the powerful from their thrones and he lifted up the lonely. That which God had promised in scripture is now being fulfilled. Similarly, Hannah goes on to say, those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are now fat with spoil. Mary too He has filled the hungry with good things. He sent away the rich to be empty. You know, you would expect that Mary would have known Scripture. As a faithful woman in the Jewish faith, she practiced reading and memorizing and soaking in what we would uh, know as uh, Pastor Joy was talking to me this morning, the Old Testament being Jesus' Bible. She knew it well. So is that where she borrowed this, this language or thoughts? Or, or others you know, might think that Luke, the author here, is borrowing language from the Old Testament to make some connection. And I don't know if I necessarily go full out on that. I think the story of God's faithfulness and, his, and especially the extraordinary blessing 
that some receive is a familiar story that keeps repeating in Scripture, which is why we see these similar themes. The story of God's faithfulness and special blessing is a familiar story that resonates with praise and glory and promise for justice. And this goes on throughout the Scripture, declaring that God, as He blesses individuals, is doing so to open us up to the idea that He's blessing the entire world. And He's one day going to lead us into a place where there's absolute justice and mercy and peace and abundance for those who are faithful and humble. That's the promise that God has always given even as he gives extraordinary blessing to one and another throughout Scripture. It's as if the people who are receiving this blessing, a Hannah and a Mary, are saying, I know that God is blessing me, and I'm so thankful, and I praise him, but I know he's doing it because he wants me to be part of something bigger. This is, I think, why these two songs are parallel. But there are other similarities to Mary's story in Scripture that I think are important for us to highlight. And I think one of them that really struck with me is the idea that there's similarities between the call of Abram in Genesis and Mary's blessing in Luke chapter 2. Think about this. Both were being patient and faithful in a time of isolation. God had not spoken in many times before he spoke to Abram. God had not spoken in many times before he spoke to Mary and that whole New Testament scene began. Both were patient and faithful in this isolation. Both exceeded extraordinary calls to trust God in very personal and practical ways. Both praised God. Both also sensed the bigger story that God was inviting them into through their faithfulness. Both recognized they were being blessed in an extraordinary way that would lead for generations to come to be blessed. Both sense that. There's parallels here. Both had faith in the unexpected birth of a child that was given to them in a very extraordinary way. And both Abram and Mary would be called to let that baby move towards a place of sacrifice. Abram would be denied that experience. The angel grabbed his arm. Mary would see her baby go all the way up to the cross and die the penalty needed to, to free all of us from our sin. So if it's right to celebrate Father Abraham, that he had many sons, and it is right. In Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it tells us that that. Uh, Abram is really the father of all who have faith. He's really the father of all who have faith. Father Abraham. If it's right to consider him that, is it right then for us to consider Mother Mary as the mother, perhaps, of all who come behind, who are faithful and trusting in the Lord's promises in the New Testament? Theologian Daniel, uh, Stanley Hawaras says this, Just as Abram did not resist God's call to leave his father's country and go to a new land, so Mary did not resist God's declaration that she would bear a child through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Abram's faith foreshadows Mary's, Here am I, Lord. Because just as we are Abram's children, Abraham's children through faith, 
So we become children of the new age inaugurated in Christ through Mary's faithfulness. This is big, right? That we consider this idea that, well, if he's Father Abraham, perhaps if you consider the entire story, Mary does play a very significant role bearing the Christ child, being the mother of Jesus. And I know for us now as Protestant Christians, that's kind of an unexpected thing. And maybe if you're one like me and you grew up with the candles and the prayers, this is starting to put some amplification on that. Mary herself said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. So if you're familiar with uh, the Catholic tradition, and I am, again, both having been raised in it and then now uh, talking to friends and working with people that are Catholic or sometimes post-Catholic and want to know who is Mary and how, do, how did we get to this place of honoring her maybe to some other level. It's because there is the church tradition, Catholic church tradition, and some interpretations of various parts of Scripture that lead them to this kind of dialogue about Mary. And again, this is in the Catholic church tradition. Mary is one who is to be venerated as a new Eve. Now, very clear in Catholic doctrine that Mary is not worshipped. Maybe you've thought that before. I know I did, that Mary is worshipped as a deity. She's not. They're very specific in terms of saying she is to be venerated. Venerated is honored or glorified or, in a sense, blessed or made holy, which is why there's, there's such an esteem for Mary, that she is to be venerated. And, and they see her role, and again, this is Catholic church tradition, as a new Eve. Eve was the first mother in the story of Genesis, who fell into sin. Mary, they would say, is the new Eve, bearing uh, the life of a new generation, a new humanity in Christ, and then she would be sinless in that, in not having conceived the child through a wedlock. Which is why then the story goes on, the doctrine goes on to consider that Mary then would have been perpetually pure and always holy, Catholic doctrine also shows that, that Mary would have never have sinned, perhaps herself was even conceived in sinlessness, and that even after having the Christ child continued in a life of absolute pure grace. This is how they arrive at the idea that she would be the mother then of all uh, the church. According to Catholic church tradition, again, the idea that Mary, that her faith and obedience to God's will were absolutely essential for the story of grace to come. I had someone asked me that before. Do you think that the angel visited other young, uh, other young women before he got to Mary and found a yes? <laughs> and based on what Lars shared a couple of weeks ago, that her yes was an extraordinary yes. Again, in church tradition, Catholic church tradition, no. But there's even an amplification of her role that her yes was absolutely essential. In other words, there wasn't another plan that she was always the yes, and in fact was born, in a sense, destined for, eternally destined for that role as Mother Mary. So then you can see how there's always, there's tension, right, of we can either understate Mary's role in the story, but then it's also to very easily over-amplify her role in the story. This is why sometimes she can carry the title, and again, this is just in Catholic Church tradition, that she's Mary, Queen of the Universe, or as one hailed as Mary, full of grace, which, and again, Catholic tradition means that she is Miss Grace, like the, the, it's almost like the Miss Universe contest. You win a title, that she would receive the title as Miss Grace then, 
and therefore be the one who, who, who demonstrates out that grace, who doles out that grace, which is why she is even prayed to and through. Because as Mary, full of grace, she is the one who, dis, who extols grace. Now, is that who we know Mary to be in Scripture? Can her role in the story be both understated, but yes, perhaps even overly amplified? Here's how I respond to that tension. And this, this helps me, uh, this has helped me in my own walk, and it helps me when I'm working with and, and uh, with friends who are of a Catholic tradition. I say in, in both churches, in both Catholic churches and Protestant Christian churches, what is the core essential is that we understand who God is and what Jesus has done to, to reveal him who God is and what Jesus has done to reveal him. That's the core of both stories, Christian and Catholic, who God is and what Jesus has done to reveal him. Now, I think in the Catholic tradition, there are many things that they place around that story, including the veneration of Mary and saint worship and other traditions that, at their best, can amplify that story, point towards that story but at their worst, can become obstacles where we don't see necessarily the fullness and pureness of who God is and what Jesus has done to reveal him. Now, in Protestant Christianity, we too hold to that core story of who God is and what Jesus has done to reveal him to us. But we have our own things. We have our own traditions, and we have our own songs. We have our own types of prayers and forms of, and histories and religious uh, things that we enjoy that at their best amplify us towards that story or at their worst can sometimes obscure us from seeing that in its fullness. But when we come to know who God is and what Jesus has done to reveal him to us and we hold on to that story then I believe we can worship in either system and still know Christ. But again, I hope that we as Protestant Christians have less of obstacles and more of amplification, that the things that we do that seem tradition and the prayers that we resonate with with regularity would amplify that story of who God is and what Jesus has done. So what about Mary? We may never get the chance to have a one-on-one -on -one with Mary, but given her voice in Scripture, given the Magnificat and her response to that extraordinary blessing, I think that if we let her speak, I think she would wave off any sense of adoration to herself. I think she would, she would say, no, no, I'm not one you need to pray to or through. I am not all of those extraordinary things you make me out to be. I think she would say, my soul is here to magnify the Lord. And I'm, I'm a humble servant of the Lord God. I'm just a humble servant of his. And if her soul is for anything, it's to magnify, again, to, to amplify the sense of who God is and what Jesus has done to give us fellowship with God as our Father. I think she would be so clear on, on no, no, I'm not one that, that wants to have veneration or glory. That, that's not me. That's not my story. I'm here to amplify that bigger story of God's great love 
shown to us in the gift of the Christ child so that none of us can have a barrier to fellowship with God for an eternity. I think she would say that. She would say, that's what I'm here for. I'm a humble servant of God, and my heart magnifies the Lord. So how about us? What do we do? How do we learn from Mary's story? What do we draw out from that Magnificat? What do we draw from her prayers, from her life, from her yes? I think it's number one, first and foremost, we have to first receive Christ. I think we have to first receive him fresh, which is why we do the tradition of Advent every year to build up our expectation, our sense of longing for a Messiah. And I know this has been a week when, when in many points of it, I've been like, oh, I really need a Savior. I really need one. God will lead us through that journey this Advent season so that we look out and we go, yes, I need a Savior now more than ever. As it says in John chapter 1, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, to those who received him and believed on his name. Mary was the first. She was given the opportunity to carry the Messiah, and she accepted him willingly. Here I am, let it be. And she received him not only to her flesh, but into her heart. She loved him and she followed him all the way unto death and celebrated the gift of his resurrection and was faithful throughout. Sinless, who among us? But she was faithful in receiving and following. So step one for us to learn from Mary, to be first, to receive Christ Maybe today for the first time, maybe this season for the first time, maybe this season again, we receive Christ fresh. There's your call right now. There's your call. Second, we want our soul then to magnify the Lord, to amplify that great story of God, who God is, his great love, and what Jesus has done to reveal him to us. We want to magnify that story. Here in that word, make large or enlarge. It's to magnify in the Lord to say, I want to know more of you this season. I want to experience more of the fullness of your grace. Lord, help me to magnify my view, to widen my point of view of who you are and your great love. Let me receive you in a wider, in a bigger way. Let my soul to magnify you, O Lord. Next, it would be to see your obedience, your worship, and your humility connected to a much larger story of redemption, an eternal story that God is telling. It's going to make right all the things in the world. It's going to bring about justice and mercy and peace and joy everlasting. Our obedience, our worship, and our humility connect us to this large story as it's written in Ephesians 1, may the eyes of our heart be opened and let the light of his truth flood in to shine his light on, on our hope, God, that you're calling us to embrace and to reveal to us the riches you are preparing as our inheritance. Let it be to me according to your word. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for our sister Mary. 
for one who was so important in the story, for her yes, that she said yes. When the angel came and said, would you receive Christ? Would you carry him into your, your flesh, carry him into your heart? She said, without a doubt, yes. We thank you, Lord, for her example. Lord, we pray that we would not see her as an obstacle for us to know who God is and what Christ has done, but to amplify that great story. As her heart magnifies the Lord, may we do same. That through our traditions and celebrations and, and all the things that we'll do in these coming weeks to, to extend the love of God in gifts and, and, and meals together and feasting, Lord, that we would have an expanded view of who you are, God, and the great love shown to us there in the Christ child. Magnify your, uh, you in our hearts, we pray. And Lord, help us to see that our faithfulness, our obedience to your will, and our sense of humility, Lord, lead us to be part of a much bigger story in you. Lead us, we pray, in your name, for glory. Amen. Now prayers.